0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Sidecar Stories. My name is Sam and I am so excited to be back. What's going on here? Muted for a second. Okay. Yeah, I've just made a terrible, terrible mistake. I ate a very dry cookie 30 seconds ago and now my mouth is
1: an arid desert. <sighs> Luke, welcome back. I really appreciate uh, you
0: uh, give me a sweet shout-out on Instagram. That's fantastic. Um, and I just like that you like what I'm doing here. It's always a good time. Uh, I got a chance to see Crimes of Grindelwald this weekend, and I gotta say, I enjoyed it. I am... I think I've talked before here about... Uh, <laughs> Rachel says, hey, Sambo, I missed you so, so, so much. I'm excited to hear your voice again. I am excited to see you in chat and to be back here doing this. It's fantastic, and I love it. Um, But, uh, yeah, like I said, I think I've mentioned on here before that when it comes to fan stuff, uh, people can get a little twisted up about it. Hi, Mom. Oh, boy. Um... But yeah, when it comes to fan stuff, people can get a little twisted up about it. And I just want to say, I'm going on record. I enjoyed Crimes of Grindelwald. So, it's there. I've put it out there. Uh, I'm sure all three of you really, really value my opinion on this matter. Um, No, but I do appreciate you tuning in. It's been a minute since the last time we did this. Um, I've... i Let's see, since the last time I saw you guys, I... Ended one job that wasn't good. Started a new job, which is great. Um, and I think that's that's kind of most of the big news. I've been wrapped up in this new job. Uh, it's at a pretty cool spot. Basically, I was working at a movie theater. Not great. Um, now I'm working at a place called Geeky Tees. And I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it gives me a chance to... Talk to people that I uh, share some interest in it's a very kind of geek culture centric place, and uh, it doesn't really discriminate between you know what're uh, what fandom you're a part of, which I really like um, but it also gives me a chance to use some of the uh, you know the knowledge that I have in a way that I, you know I wasn't really doing uh, AMC any good by. Any more good than just being a, a a body that can stand upright and hold a broom, but here I get to uh, get to use a bit of my nerd knowledge. It's not bad, and it's very enjoyable. So let's talk about what happened last time, shall we? And today might be uh, on the shorter side. I've got, I think, um, there's a six card pile up out in the street, you can probably hear it. No, I made a second mistake, and I put all the cookies back in the sleeve, which is essentially a sound booby trap for Cassidy. Um, But uh, yeah, so today might be a bit of a shorter stream. Um, I'm doing chapter nine, which is slightly longer than usual, um, slightly longer than a typical chapter, but since I'm not doing two, it's going to probably pan out to be slightly shorter than usual. Anyway. Um, I've also got no guarantees that I'm necessarily going to have a super smooth stream I've tried to do chapter 9 once already a while back. I'm glad I get to come into this Doing something that I've had some experience with already um, But I do have some good news and that is that I believe our uh, Internet situation is going to be improving in the next uh, I'm gonna guess month or two Um And so while I do still need to kind of reschedule the streams, we'll see, I'm not sure, Um, but basically our internet speed should be improving, the consistency hopefully will improve thereby as well, Um, but uh, yeah, because I'm at this new job, my schedule is a little different, I might have to work out a new time in the week to stream, but I would like very much to get back to doing it consistently, so that being said, let's go back and talk about what we heard about last
1: time, which is chapters 7 and 8. All right. And uh let's see. All right. So, chapter 7. <clears throat> In chapter 7, uh, we
0: are having some ghastly experiences. Hold on, i sorry, I'm gonna grab my... Uh, chapter 7 is the... the Boggart in the wardrobe. Malfoy has, uh, made his big ploy. Made his big play. I don't know why I said ploy. Um, he's pretending to be very, very injured by the hippogriff that Hagrid showed during Hagrid's first class. Um... It was an excellent class until of course Malfoy messed it up he had a bit of an injury it would have been fairly gruesome in the muggle world but in the magic world you know the the things that humans typically find very challenging as injuries uh, Madame Pomfrey can pretty much sort out in a couple hours or a day including having no bones in your arm Um, we are in potions class you know Malfoy's really talking it up milking it for everything it's worth and I'm gonna not monitor audio right now because that is really distracting it's on a slight delay so I hear myself out of my mouth and then I hear myself in my ear but only my right ear um, anyway all right now during this class Malfoy makes a comment it's not really certain what he means by this, but he does say something about how if he were in Harry's position, knowing that there's this escaped convict, this specific escaped convict, knowing that Black is out there, Nuffoy says if he were in Harry's position, he would have gone off to find the guy a long time ago. Why Harry specifically, though? We don't know. We don't get the answer here. Um, it's a fairly miserable class as usual with Snape um, and it's been just about two months since I read this so it's not coming back to me
1: super, super quickly. Um, Neville has a rough class. <laughs> All right, Hermione's also behaving a little
0: strangely. Um, she, you know, was walking behind Ron and Harry as they left potions, and then suddenly she's running up a staircase behind them. Um, she just seems to be moving oddly, and her schedule makes no
1: sense. It's an odd time. Um, Lupin
0: holds his first Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson. He uh, He's not there when they first walk in then he walks in and uh, he looks still shabby but he looks healthier than uh, when they first saw him on the train hopefully he's had a chance to get a good meal into him Um, and they proceed to have a pretty interesting class Um, they're a little you know the the students are not quite sure what to think at first like I said he seems you know pretty pretty shoddy he's got uh, you know worn uh, worn clothes and uh, kind of a roughed-up briefcase but he quickly impresses them. Um, first of all, he deals with Peeves the Poltergeist pretty handily, and then brings them into a class, uh, a different classroom, with. Actually, it's the teacher's lounge. Lounge, yeah. Um, and it's got a, uh, a wardrobe in it. The wardrobe is jiggling around, uh, acting like there's perhaps some sort of monster in there. And there is! It's a Boggart. Um, they have an excellent class of learning how to deal with Boggarts and bogarts, as we learned, are creatures that uh, live in the dark, in little dark spaces, dark crooks and crannies, um, and they really have no form until they're presented with a person. And then they take the form that that person fears most. So we get to uh, watch a fun sequence basically of um, Seeing what these different students are afraid of, and watching them deal with it by using a spell and making them look absolutely preposterous, so basically it makes them look silly, generates laughter, and laughter is how you destroy a boggart. So um, we see things that we might expect, for instance, Neville's greatest fear is
1: Snape. Let me get that artwork up here because that one was fantastic. Let's see What. What? What? What happened here? Why are we in the Great Hall? Let's see, there we go.
0: Yeah, Rachel, I am as well. Having that Wi-Fi working is going to be very nice. I don't even need to work it. I don't even need it to work so much better necessarily, just to not cut out as often. That would be my My number one even if I'm not super clear or my my you know the visual gets a little stuttery I can deal with that it's just you know having to shut down a stream after half an hour because it keeps dropping that's my least favorite okay so uh, we see Neville's greatest fear we see uh, you know Ron is presented with a giant spider and uh, you know we see a lot from the class and just as Harry's about to go up, uh, Professor Lupin steps in instead. And we watch the Boggart turn into a strange, kind of white glowing orb, like a crystal ball or something. And then he uh, dispels the Boggart. Harry never gets a chance to face the thing. He spends most of his day wondering after that, is it because Neville doesn't... Nope, excuse me. Is it because Lupin doesn't believe Harry can handle it? Is it because Lupin saw Harry and Harry's experience on the train the Hogwarts Express um, with the Dementors.
1: Does he think Harry's too weak? It's not certain. But it
0: uh, gives Harry some some anxiety about it. All right, um, but after that class, it pretty quickly becomes everyone's favorite class. Of course, um, Draco Malfoy and his gang not so happy about it uh, because they will find a way to dislike anything that seems sort of good schoolin', you know. Um, but uh, as they are learning, like red caps and uh, grindylows and boggarts and uh, Kappas. Most of the students find that it's a fairly, it's, it's an interesting class for sure and uh, they're learning a lot and they don't find themselves bored. Um, it seems like Snape is getting worse than usual because of uh, hearing the story of Neville changing the Bogart Snape into a Bogart Snape wearing his aunt's clothes, including the, uh, the dress and the hat like you saw in the picture. Um, let's see.
1: Trelawney's class, she's the divination teacher, uh, is incredibly
0: boring. People have kind of understood that she might not be teaching a subject that's totally worth listening to, except for a couple of students who are super into it, like Parvati Patil and Lavender Brown. Um, Care of Magical Creatures has certainly gone downhill. Basically, after the first class, Hagrid got pretty gun-shy, and as such, he is teaching classes, after classes, about flobberworms, which were incredibly boring. Um, Finally, though, at the start of October, things get a little more interesting. Quidditch season starts up again, and Oliver Wood, the team captain, is in his final year at Hogwarts. He's a senior, essentially, and he's desperate at this point. He wants that house cup so bad. He wants the quidditch cup, um, and they've got a pretty good team put together, but he's intent, he's
1: focused, maybe a little manic about it So uh there's an additional issue, of course, there is, and I realize this is
0: not uh this is not a smooth recap, but we're fighting through it. Let's do it um. Hogsmeade Weekend. Harry's not allowed to go because he couldn't get his permission slip signed by his aunt or his uncle. Uh, He tried, but you may remember that didn't go well. And uh, Ron suggests, of course, that Harry asks McGonagall if she can maybe make a special exception. Crookshanks, Hermione's new cat, tries to eat scabbers. Ron's rat. And, uh...
1: get into an enormous argument let's see if I can find that yeah I just
0: want to I really wish I could have made a slow zoom in on this cat's face look at that
1: thing what an absurd creature Harry does end up going to talk to McGonagall and uh, after kind of
0: an odd tense conversation McGonagall makes it clear that she's not going to let him go to Hogsmeade, but it's unclear necessarily why. Not sure. So, Ron and Hermione go down to Hogsmeade, and Harry is left behind. He does have a chance to go and talk to Professor Lupin, though, and has an excellent conversation where Lupin is able to tell him a little bit about what happened in their their first class. Uh mostly that uh, it wasn't actually an issue of Lupin thinking that Harry's weak for not dealing with the... or for not being able to, you know, deal with the Dementors. In fact, Lupin says something interesting. It says that what Harry fears most in the world is fear itself. And Lupin says that's fairly smart. But also, Lupin thinks that... Uh, Lupin had assumed that if the Bogart had faced Harry it would have turned into Lord Voldemort and it probably wouldn't have been a good idea for Lord Voldemort to materialize
1: in the staff room. Lupin's a good teacher. He knows how to talk to Harry um, you know,
0: a, a student who is you know, feeling maybe a little anxious about things. He's got plenty to feel anxious about. Alright, we're closing in on the end here. Finally, Snape walks in during their meeting. It's a little odd, he brings in a potion, and Lupin seems to just accept the potion and drink it right down without question. Harry, of course, thinks this is fantastically strange, and as he doesn't trust Snape at all, uh, he almost considers warning Lupin about it, but ends up telling Ron and Hermione when they get back from Hogsmeade. They discuss it, I think it's strange, They have, uh, you know, all sorts of theories, as usual, about how Snape has always wanted the job that Lupin has now.
1: It's an odd, odd scenario. And then, at the very end of the chapter, we get our
0: big cliffhanger. And it's been a cliffhanger for a while. And I apologize.
1: They get back to the Gryffindor common room, and... They find that the Fat Lady, the painting of the Fat Lady, has been ripped to shreds. She's gone.
0: And Peeves the Poltergeist reveals who did it. Serious Black. So, that is where we're at. That was a uh, an exceptionally long recap. So, let's get straight into it. Thank you so much for watching. Anybody who doesn't know what this is or who I am, I'm Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Let's get into it. Alright. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Chapter
1: 9. Grim Defeat. Professor Dumbledore sent all the Gryffindors back
0: to the Great Hall. But they were joined ten minutes later by the students from Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin all looked extremely confused. The teachers and I need to conduct a thorough search of the castle, Professor Dumbledore told them as Professor McGonagall and Flitwick closed all the doors into the Great Hall. I am afraid that, for your own safety, we will have to spend the night here. I want the Prefects to stand guard over the entrances to the hall, and I am leaving the head boy and girl in charge. Any disturbance should be reported to me immediately," he added to Percy, who was looking
1: immensely proud and important. —Send word with one of the ghosts. Professor Dumbledore paused,
0: about to leave the hall, and then said,
1: —Oh, yes, you'll be needing—
0: One casual wave of his wand and the long tables flew to the edges of the hall and stood themselves against the walls. Another wave, and the floor was covered with hundreds of squashy purple sleeping-bags. "'Sleep well,' said Professor Dumbledore, closing the door behind him. The hall immediately began to buzz excitedly. The Gryffindors were telling the rest of the school what had just happened. "'Everyone into your sleeping-bags!' shouted Percy. "'Come on now! No more talking! Lights out in ten minutes!' Come on, Ron said to Harry and Hermione. They seized three sleeping bags and dragged them into a corner.
1: Do you think that Black is still in the castle? Hermione whispered anxiously. Uh, Dumbledore obviously
0: thinks that he might be, said Ron.
1: It's very lucky he
0: picked tonight, you know, said Hermione as they climbed fully dressed into their sleeping bags and propped themselves on their elbows to talk.
1: The one night that we weren't in the Tower.
0: I reckon he lost track of the time, being on the run," said Ron. Didn't realize it was Halloween, otherwise he'd have come bursting in here. Hermione shuddered.
1: All around them people were asking one another the same question. How did he get in? Maybe
0: he knows how to apparate said a Ravenclaw, a few feet away. Just appear out of thin air, you know?" "'He disguised himself, probably,' said a Hufflepuff fifth-year. "'He could have flown in,' suggested Dean Thomas. "'Honestly, am I the only person who has ever bothered to read Hogwarts a history?' said Hermione crossly to Harry and Ron. "Uh, "'Probably,' said Ron. "'Why?' "'Because the castle is protected by more than walls, you know?' said Hermione. There are all sorts of enchantments on it, to stop people entering by stealth. You can't just apparate in here. I'd like to see the disguise that could fool those Dementors. They're guarding every single entrance to the grounds. They'd have seen him fly in, too. And Filch knows all the secret passages, they'll all have them covered. The lights are going out now! Percy shouted. I want everyone in their sleeping-bags, and no more talking! The candles went out all at once. The only light now came from the silvery ghosts, who were drifting about, talking seriously to the prefects, and the enchanted ceiling, which, like the sky outside, was scattered with stars. What with that, and the whispering that still filled the hall, Harry felt as though he were sleeping outdoors in a light wind. Once every hour, a teacher would reappear at the hall to check that everything was quiet. Around three in the morning, When many students had finally fallen asleep, Professor Dumbledore came in. Harry watched him looking around for Percy, who had been prowling between the sleeping bags, telling people off for talking. Percy was only a short way away from Harry, Ron, and Hermione, who quickly pretended to be asleep as Professor Dumbledore's footsteps drew nearer. Is there any sign of him, Professor? asked Percy in a whisper. "No." "'All well here?' "'Everything under control, sir.' "'Good. There's no point in moving them all now. I've found a temporary guardian for the Gryffindor Portrait Hole. You'll be able to move them back in tomorrow.' "'And the fat lady, sir?' "'Hiding in a map of Argyllshire on the second floor. Apparently she refused to let Black in without the password, so he
1: attacked.' She's still very distressed, but once she's calmed down, I'll have Mr. Filch restore her."
0: Harry heard the door of the hall creak open again, and more footsteps.
1: "'Headmaster?' It was Snape. Harry kept quite still,
0: listening hard. "'The whole of the third floor has been searched. He's not there. And Filch has done the dungeons. Nothing there, either. What about the Astronomy Tower? Professor
1: Trelawney's room? The Owlery? All searched. Very well, Severus. I didn't really expect Black to linger.
0: Have you any theory as to how he got in, Professor? asked Snape. Harry raised his head very slightly off of his arms to free his other ear.
1: Many, Severus, each of them as unlikely as the next.
0: Harry opened his eyes a fraction and squinted up to where they stood. Dumbledore's back was to him, but he could see Percy's face, rapt with attention, and Snape's profile, which looked angry. You remember the conversation that we had, Headmaster, just before? the start of term," said Snape, who was barely opening his lips, as though trying to block Percy out of the conversation.
1: "'I do, Severus,' said Dumbledore, and there was something like a warning in his voice.
0: It seems almost impossible that Black could have entered the school without inside help. I did express my concerns when you were appointed. I do not believe a single person inside this castle would have helped Black enter it," said Dumbledore, and his tone made it so clear that the subject was closed that Snape didn't reply. "'I must go down to the Dementors,' said Dumbledore. I said I would inform them when our search was complete."
1: "'Didn't they want to help, sir?' said Percy. Oh, yes, said Dumbledore coldly,
0: but I'm afraid that no Dementor shall cross the threshold of this castle while I am headmaster.
1: Percy looked slightly abashed. Dumbledore left the hall, walking quickly and quietly.
0: Snape stood for a moment, watching the headmaster with an expression of deep resentment on his face. Then he too left. Terry glanced sideways at Ron and Hermione. Both of them had their eyes open,
1: too, reflecting the starry ceiling. What was that all about? Ron mouthed. The school talked of nothing but Sirius Black for the next few days. The
0: theories about how he had entered the castle became wilder and wilder. Hannah Abbott, from Hufflepuff, spent much of their next herbology class telling anyone who would listen that Black could turn into a flowering shrub. The fat lady's ripped canvas had been taken off the wall and replaced with the portrait of Sir Cadogan and his fat grey pony. Nobody was very happy about this. Sir Cadogan spent half his time challenging people to duels. And the rest thinking up ridiculously complicated passwords, which he changed at least once a day. Oh, excuse me, which he changed at least twice a day. He's a complete lunatic," said Seamus Finnegan angrily to Percy. "Can't we get anyone else? None of the other pictures wanted the job," said Percy. "Frightened of what happened to the fat lady, Sir Cadogan was the only one brave enough to volunteer." Sir Cadigan, however, was the least of Harry's worries. He was now being closely watched. Teachers found excuses to walk along corridors with him, and Percy Weasley, acting, Harry suspected, on his mother's orders, was tailing him everywhere like an extremely pompous guard-dog. To cap it all, Professor McGonagall summoned Harry into her office with such a somber expression on her face, Harry thought someone
1: must have died. "'There's no point in hiding it from you any longer, Potter,'
0: she said in a very serious voice. "'I know that this will come as a shock to you, but, Sirius Black—' "'I know he's after me,' said Harry wearily. "'I heard Ron's dad telling his mum. Mr. Weasley works for the Ministry of Magic.' Professor McGonagall seemed very taken aback. She stared at Harry for a moment or two, then said, "'I see. Well, in that case, Potter, you will understand why I don't think it is a good idea for you to be practising Quidditch in the evenings out in the field with only your team-members. It's very exposed, Potter. We've got our first match on Sunday!' Rats. "'We've got our first match on Saturday,' said Harry, outraged. "'I've got to train, Professor.' Professor McGonagall considered him intently. Harry knew she was deeply interested in the Gryffindor team's prospects. It had been she, after all, who suggested him as seeker in the first place. He waited, holding his breath.
1: Hmm.
0: Professor McGonagall stood up and stared out of the windows at the Quidditch field, just visible through the rain. Goodness knows, I'd like to see us win the cup at last, but all the same, Potter, I would be happier if a teacher were present.
1: I'll ask Madame Hooch to oversee your training sessions. The weather worsened steadily as the first Quidditch match drew near.
0: Undaunted, the Gryffindor team was training harder than ever under the watchful eye of Madame Hooch. Then, at their final training session before Saturday's match, Oliver Wood gave his team some unwelcome news. We're not playing Slytherin, he told them, looking very angry. Flint's just been to see me. We're playing Hufflepuff instead. Why? chorused the rest of the team. Flint's excuse is that their team's seeker still got an injured arm, said Wood, grinding his teeth furiously. But obviously why they're doing it. They don't want to play in this weather. They think it'll damage their chances. There had been strong winds and heavy rains all day, and as Wood spoke, they heard a distant rumble of thunder. There's nothing wrong with Malfoy's arm, said, Ma- mm, said Harry furiously. He's faking it. I know that, but we can't prove it," said Wood bitterly. We've been practising all those moves, assuming we're playing Slytherin, and instead it's Hufflepuff. Their style's quite different. They've got a new captain and seeker, Cedric Diggory. Angelina, Alicia and Katie suddenly giggled. What? said Wood, frowning at this light-hearted behaviour. He's that tall, good-looking one, isn't he? said Angelina. "'Strong and silent,' said Katie, and they started to giggle again. He's only silent because he's too thick to string two words together,' said Fred impatiently. "'I don't know why you're worried, Oliver. Hufflepuff is a pushover. Last time we played them, Harry caught the snitch in about five minutes, remember?' "'We were playing in completely different conditions,' Wood shouted, his eyes bulging slightly he's putting a very strong side together. He's an excellent seeker. I was afraid you'd take it like this. We mustn't relax. We've got to keep our focus. Slytherin is trying to wrong-foot us. We must win." "'Oliver, calm down,' said Fred, looking slightly alarmed. "'We're taking Hufflepuff very
1: seriously.' "'Seriously?' The day before the match the winds reached howling
0: point and the rain fell harder than ever. It was so dark inside the corridors and classrooms that extra torches and lanterns were lit. The Slytherin team was looking very smug indeed and none more so than Malfoy. Oh, if only my arm was feeling a bit better, <sighs> he sighed as the gale outside pounded the windows. Harry had no room in his head to worry about anything except the match tomorrow. Oliver Wood kept hurrying up to him between classes and giving him tips. The third time this happened, Wood talked for so long that Harry suddenly realized he was ten minutes late for Defense Against the Dark Arts. And set off at a run, with Wood shouting after him, The giddy's got a very fast swerve, Harry, so you may want to try looping him. Harry skidded to a halt outside defense against the dark arts, pulled the door open, and dashed inside. I'm sorry I'm late, Professor Lupin. I. But it wasn't Professor Lupin who looked up at him from the teacher's desk, it was Snape. This lesson began ten minutes ago, Potter, so I think we'll make it ten points from Gryffindor. Sit down." But Harry didn't move. "'Where is Professor Lupin?' he said. "'He says he's feeling too ill to teach today," said Snape with a twisted smile. "'I believe I told you to sit down. But Harry stayed where he was. What's wrong with him? Snape's black eyes glittered. Nothing life-threatening, he said, looking as though he wished it were. Five more points from Gryffindor, and if I have to ask you to sit down again it will be fifty. Harry walked slowly to his seat and sat down. Snape looked around at the class. As I was saying before Potter interrupted, Professor Lupin has not left any record of the topics you've covered so far." "'Please, sir, we've done Boggarts, Redcaps, Cappers, and Grindylows,' said Hermione, quickly. "'We were just about to start—' "'Be quiet,' said Snape, coldly. "'I did not ask for information. I was merely commenting on Professor Lupin's lack of organisation. "'He's the best defence against the Darky. (laughs) <laughs> "'He's the best defense against a dark arts teacher we've ever had,' said Dean Thomas boldly, and there was a murmur of agreement from the rest of the class. Snape looked more menacing than ever. "'You are easily satisfied. Lupin is hardly overtaxing you. I would expect first years to be able to deal with redcaps and grindylows. Today we shall discuss... Harry watched him flick through his textbook to the very back chapter, which he must know they hadn't covered. "'Werewolves,' said Snape. "'But, sir,' said Hermione, seemingly unable to restrain herself, "'we're not supposed to do werewolves, yet we're due to start hinky-punks.' "'Miss Granger,' said Snape, in a voice of deadly calm. "'I was under the impression that I am teaching this lesson, not you.' and I am telling you all to turn to page 394." He glanced around again. "'All of you, now!' With many bitter sidelong looks and some sullen muttering, the class opened their textbooks. "'Which of you can tell me how we distinguish between the werewolf and the true wolf?' said Snape. Everyone sat motionless in silence. Everyone except Hermione, whose hand, as it so often did, had shot straight into the air. Anyone? Snape said, ignoring Hermione. His twisted smile was back. Are you telling me that Professor Lupin hasn't even taught you the basic distinction between. We told you, said Parvati suddenly. We haven't got as far as werewolves yet. We're still on. "'Silence!' snarled Snape. "'Well, well, well, I never thought I'd meet a third-year class who couldn't even recognize a werewolf when they saw one. I shall make a point of informing Professor Dumbledore how very behind you all are.' "'Please, sir,' said Hermione, whose hand was still in the air. "'The werewolf differs from the true wolf in several small ways. The snout of the werewolf That is the second time that you have spoken out of turn, Miss Granger," said Snape. Five more points from Gryffindor for being an insufferable know-it-all. Hermione went very red, put her hand down, and stared at the floor, with her eyes full of tears. It was a mark of how much the class loathed Snape that they were all glaring at him, because every one of them had called Hermione a know-it-all at least once. And Ron, who told Hermione she was a know-it-all at least twice a week, said loudly, You asked us a question and she knows the answer. Why ask if you don't want to be told? The class knew instantly he'd gone too far. Snape advanced on Ron slowly, and the room held its breath. Detention, Weasley, Snape said silkily, his face very close to Ron's, And if I ever
1: hear you criticize the way that I teach a class again, you'll be very sorry indeed." No one made a sound throughout the rest of the lesson. They sat and made notes on werewolves
0: from the textbook, while Snape prowled up and down the rows of desks, examining the work they'd been doing with Professor Lupin. Very poorly explained. Uh, That is incorrect. The Kappa is more commonly found in Mongolia.
1: Professor Lupin gave this an eight out of ten. I wouldn't have given it three. When the bell rang at last, Snape
0: held them back. You will each write an essay to be handed in to me on the ways you recognize and kill werewolves. I want two rows of parchment on the subject, and I want them by Monday morning. Which time somebody took this class in hand.
1: Weasley, stay behind, we need to arrange your detention." Harry and Hermione left the room
0: with the rest of the class, who waited until they were well out of earshot, then burst into a furious tirade about Snape. "'Snape's never been like this with any of our other Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, even if he did want the job,' Harry said to Hermione. "'Why's he got it in for Lupin? Do you think this is all because—' of the Boggart?" I don't know, said Hermione pensively,
1: but I really hope Professor Lupin gets better soon.
0: Ron caught up with them five minutes later, in a towering rage. Do you know what that—he called Snape something that made Hermione say—Ron is making me do! I've got to scrub out all the bedpans in the hospital wing—without magic! He was breathing deeply, his fists clenched. Why couldn't Black have hidden in Snape's office, eh? Could have finished them all off for us.
1: Mmm, rough. Could have finished him off for us. Harry woke extremely early the next morning, so early that it was still dark.
0: For a moment he thought the roaring of the wind had woken him, and he felt a cold breeze on the back of his neck and sat bolt upright. Peeves the poltergeist had been floating next to him, blowing hard in his ear. What did you do that for? said Harry furiously. Peeves puffed out his cheeks, blew hard, and zoomed backward out of the room, cackling. Harry fumbled for his alarm clock and looked at it. It was half past four. Cursing Peeves, he rolled over and tried to get back to sleep, but It was very difficult now that he was awake to ignore the sounds of the thunder rumbling overhead the pounding of the wind against the castle walls and the distant creaking of the trees in the forbidden forest just as a quick side note that sounds like a fantastic night in a few hours he would be out on the quidditch field battling through the gale finally he gave up on any thought of more sleep got up dressed picked up his nimbus 2000 and walked quietly out of the dormitory. As Harry opened the door, something brushed against his leg.
1: He bent down just in time to grab Crookshanks by the end of his bushy tail and drag him outside. You know, I think Ron was right about you, Harry told Crookshanks
0: suspiciously. There are plenty of mice around this place. Go and chase them. Go on, he added nudging Crookshanks down the spiral staircase with his foot. Leave Scabbles alone. Another quick side note, uh, because I don't think I mentioned it at the top of the chapter, if you've got anything you'd like to talk about, any characters, new locations, any questions you want to ask, go ahead and put it in chat. If there's a good place to pause and talk about it, I will. Otherwise, I'll wait till the end of the chapter and we can talk about it then. But I love the discussion, so go ahead and ask away.
1: The noise of the storm was even louder in the common room. Harry knew better than to think that the match would be cancelled.
0: Quidditch matches weren't called off for trifles like thunderstorms. Nevertheless, he was starting to feel very apprehensive. Wood had pointed out Cedric Diggory to him in the corridor. Diggory was a fifth year, and a lot bigger than Harry. Seekers were usually light and speedy, but Diggory's weight would be an advantage in this weather. He was less likely to be blown off course. Harry whiled away the hours until dawn in front of the fire, getting up every now and then to stop Crookshanks from sneaking up the boy's staircase again. At long last, Harry thought it must be time for breakfast, so he headed through the portrait hole alone. Stand and fight, you mangy cur! yelled Sir Cadogan.
1: <sighs> Shut up!
0: Harry yawned. He revived a bit over a bowl of porridge, By the time he'd started on toast, the rest of the team had turned up. "'It's going to be a tough one,' said Wood, who wasn't eating anything. "'Stop worrying, Oliver,' said Alicia soothingly. "'We don't mind a bit of rain.' But it was considerably more than a bit of rain. Such was the popularity of Quidditch that the whole school turned out to watch the match as usual, but they ran down the lawns toward the Quidditch field. Heads bowed against the ferocious wind, umbrellas being whipped out of their hands as they went. Just before he entered the locker room, Harry saw Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle laughing and pointing at him from underneath an enormous umbrella on their way to the stadium. The team changed into their scarlet robes and waited for Wood's usual pre-match pep talk. But it didn't come. He tried to speak several times, made an odd gulping noise and shook his head hopelessly and beckoned them to follow him. The wind was so strong that they staggered sideways as they walked out onto the field. If the crowd was cheering, they couldn't hear it over the fresh rolls of thunder. Rain was splattering over Harry's glasses. How on earth was he going to see the snitch in this? The Hufflepuffs were approaching from the opposite side of the field, wearing canary-yellow robes. The captains walked up to each other and shook hands. Diggory smiled at Wood, but Wood now looked as though he had lockjaw, and merely nodded. Harry saw Madame Hooch's mouth form the words, Mout your brooms! He pulled his right foot out of the mud with a squelch and swung it over his Nimbus 2000. Madame Hooch put her whistle to her lips and gave it a blast that sounded shrill and distant. They were off. Harry rose fast, but his nimbus was swerving slightly with the wind. He held it steady and turned, squinting into the rain. Within five minutes, Harry was soaked to his skin and frozen, hardly able to see his teammates, let alone the tiny snitch. He flew backward and forward across the field, past blurred red and yellow shapes, with no idea of what was happening in the rest of the game. He couldn't hear the commentary over the wind, The crowd was hidden beneath a sea of cloaks and battered umbrellas. Twice, Harry came very close to being unseated by a bludger. His vision was so clouded by the rain on his glasses he hadn't seen them coming. He lost track of time. It was getting harder and harder to hold his broom straight. The sky was getting darker, as though night had decided to come early. Twice, Harry nearly hit another player without knowing whether it was a teammate or an opponent. Everyone was now so wet and the rain so thick he could hardly tell them apart. With the first flash of lightning came the sound of Madame Hooch's whistle. Harry could just see the outline of Wood through the thick rain, gesturing him to the ground. The whole team splashed down into the mud. I called for a timeout! Wood roared at his team. Come on, under here! They huddled at the edge of the field under a large umbrella. Harry took off his glasses and wiped them hurriedly on his robes. What's the score? We're fifty points up, said Wood, but unless we get a snitch soon we're going to be playing into the night. I've got no chance with these on, said Harry exasperatedly, waving his glasses. At that very moment Hermione appeared at his shoulder. She was holding her cloak over her head and was inexplicably beaming.
1: I've had an idea, Harry. Give me your glasses, quick."
0: He handed them to her, and as the team watched in amazement, Hermione tapped them with her wand and said, Impervious. There, she said, handing them back to Harry. They'll repel water. Wood looked as though he could have kissed her. Brilliant! He called hoarsely after her as she had disappeared into the crowd. All right, team. Let's go for it!" Hermione's spell had done the trick. Harry was still numb with cold, still wetter than he'd ever been in his life, but he could see. Full of fresh determination, he urged his broom through the turbulent air, staring in every direction for the snitch, avoiding a bludger, ducking between Diggory and another player who was now streaking in the opposite direction. There was another clap of thunder, followed immediately by forked lightning. This was getting more and more dangerous. Harry needed to get the snitch quickly. He turned, intending to head back toward the middle of the field, but at that moment another flash of lightning illuminated the stands, and Harry saw something that distracted him completely. The silhouette of an enormous shaggy black dog, clearly imprinted against the sky, motionless in the topmost empty row of seats. Harry's numb hands slipped on the broom handle, and his nimbus dropped a few feet. Shaking his sodden
1: bangs out of his eyes, he squinted back into the stands. The dog had vanished. Harry!
0: Came Wood's anguished yell from the Gryffindor goalposts. Harry, behind you! Harry looked wildly around. Cedric Diggory was pelting up the field, and a tiny speck of gold was shimmering in the rain-filled air between them. With a jolt of panic, Harry threw himself flat on the broom-handle and zoomed toward the snitch. Come on, he growled at his nimbus as the rain whipped his face. Faster! But something odd was happening. An eerie silence was falling across the stadium. The wind, though as strong as ever, was forgetting to roar. It was as though someone had turned off the sound, as though Harry had gone suddenly deaf, What was going on? And then a horribly familiar wave of cold swept over him, inside of him, just as he became aware of something moving on the field below. Before he'd had time to think, Harry had taken his eyes off the snitch and looked down. At least a hundred dementors, their hidden faces pointing up at him, were standing beneath him. It was as though freezing water were rising in his chest, cutting at his insides, Then he heard it again. Someone was screaming. Screaming inside his head. A woman! Not Harry! Not Harry! Please, not Harry! Stand aside, you silly girl! Stand aside now! Not Harry! Please, no! Take me! Kill me instead! Numbing, swirling white mist was filling Harry's brain. What was he doing? Why was he flying? He needed to help her. She was going to die. She was going to be murdered. He was falling, falling through an icy mist.
1: Not Harry! Please, have mercy! Have mercy! A shrill voice was laughing, the woman was screaming, and Harry knew no more. in the ground was so soft. I thought he was dead for sure. But he didn't even break his glasses. Harry
0: could hear the voices whispering, but they made no sense whatsoever. He didn't have a clue where he was, or how he'd got there, or what he'd been doing before he got there.
1: All he knew was that every inch of him was aching as though he'd been beaten. the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Scariest... The scariest thing? Hooded black figures. Cold.
0: Screaming. Harry's eyes snapped open. He was lying in the hospital wing. The Gryffindor Quidditch team, spattered with mud from head to foot, was gathered around his bed. Ron and Hermione were also there, looking as though they'd just climbed out of a swimming pool.
1: Hurry, said Fred, who looked extremely white underneath the mud. How are you feeling?
0: It was as though Harry's memory was on fast forward. The lightning, the grim, the snitch, and the dementors. Oh, what happened? he said, sitting up so suddenly they all gasped. You fell off, said Fred. Must have been, what, well, fifty feet? We thought you died, said Alicia, who was shaking. Hermione made a small squeaky noise. Her eyes were extremely bloodshot. But the match,
1: said Harry. What happened? Are we doing a replay? No one said anything. horrible truth sank into Harry like a stone. We didn't... lose.
0: Dingery got the snitch, said George, just after you fell. He didn't realize what had happened. When he looked back down and saw you on the ground, he tried to call it off. He wanted a rematch, but they won fair and square. Even Wood admits it. Where is Wood? said Harry suddenly realising he wasn't there. "'Still in the showers,' said Fred. "'We think he's trying to drown himself.' Harry put his face to his knees, his hands gripping his hair. Fred grabbed his shoulder and shook it roughly. "'Come on, Harry. You've never missed a snitch before.' "'There had to be one time where you didn't get it,' said George. "'It's not over yet,' said Fred. We lost by a hundred points, right? So if Hufflepuff loses to Ravenclaw and we beat... Sly- mm. So if Hufflepuff loses to Ravenclaw and we beat Ravenclaw and Slytherin... Hufflepuff will ask to lose by at least 200 points, said George. But if they beat Ravenclaw... No way, Ravenclaw's too good. But if Slytherin loses against Hufflepuff... It all depends on the point. A margin of a hundred either way. Harry he lay there, not saying a word.
1: He had lost. For the first time ever, he had lost a Quidditch match. After ten minutes or
0: so, Adam Pomfrey came over to tell the team to leave him in peace. We'll come by and see you later, Fred told him. Don't beat yourself up, Harry. You're still the best seeker we've ever had. The team trooped out, trailing mud behind them. Madame Pomfrey shut the door behind them, looking disapproving. Ron and Hermione moved nearer to Harry's bed.
1: "'Dumbledore was really angry,'
0: Hermione said in a quaking voice.
1: "'I've never seen him like
0: that before. He ran onto the field as you fell, waving his wand, and you sort of slowed down before you hit the ground. Then he whirled his wand at the Dementors shot silvery stuff at them. They left the stadium straight away. He was furious they'd come to the grounds. We'd heard him. And then he magicked you onto a stretcher, said Ron, and walked you up to the school, with you floating on it. Everyone thought that you were... His voice faded, but Harry hardly noticed. He was thinking about what the Dementors had done to him, about the screaming voice. He looked up and saw Ron and Hermione looking at him so anxiously that he quickly cast around for something matter-of-fact to say.
1: Did someone get my Nimbus? Ron and Hermione looked quickly at each other. Um... What? said Harry, looking from one to the other when you fell off, it got blown away,"
0: said Hermione hesitantly. And?
1: And it it hit—it hit—oh, Harry, it hit the Whomping
0: Willow!" Harry's insides lurched. The Whomping Willow was a very violent tree that stood alone in the middle of the grounds. And? he said, dreading the answer. Well, you know the Whomping Willow, said Ron, it—it doesn't like being hit. Professor Flitwick brought it back just before you came around, said Hermione in a very small voice. Slowly she reached down for a bag at her feet, turned it upside down, and tipped a dozen bits of splintered
1: woods and twigs onto the bed. The only remains of Harry's faithful, finally beaten broomstick. And that is the end of chapter 9. Thank you guys for watching. Again, for anyone who doesn't know,
0: my name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories, and I love reading Harry Potter. I'm really happy to be back doing this again. I've got, uh... I don't know, I'm, I'm just... I like... I like where we're at with this. I think um, I've got a better system for monitoring my audio, so hopefully that will be good. Um, I've got, you know, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, gonna have some better internet in the next couple of months. That would be fantastic. We get to keep doing this. Very excited. All right, like I said, um, may have to reschedule this in the week. I'm going to wait until I'm a little bit more sure before officially rescheduling it. Um, but if you're looking for updates about that or updates about anything else related to sidecar stories, go to Instagram, that's where I do most of my updates. Um, if, by the way, you know anyone's got a an idea of a better way to keep updated on this stuff, go ahead and let me know. Um, you know, if it'd be better to do, I guess, I don't know, maybe I have to be better about making sure that my streams get scheduled properly so that they show up on YouTube. I don't know we'll see but i thought it was a good stream today i'm glad we got a we got this excellent clean take of uh chapter nine and uh, i didn't even have uh, much of a mumble mouth today i'm pretty pleased about it sometimes i get talking too quickly mumble, mumble 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 mouth and uh you know end up spewing up my screech rachel asks are we supposed to know by now about Sirius black and harry we know a little bit; we know that um Sirius Black was one of voldemort's strongest supporters uh, We have heard that you know rumors uh that Sirius Black believed that when Voldemort took power that Sirius Black was going to be kind of his right hand man. Of course, Voldemort didn't take power, and when Sirius Black himself was cornered. He ended up killing 13 people, uh, 13 muggles, and uh, a wizard. Um, We don't know much more about it than that, but basically, everyone, the operating theory everyone's on is that uh, after hearing, um, you know, Sirius Black's muttering, you know, his sort of crazed muttering as he spent time in Azkaban, um, he would in his sleep, he's at Hogwarts. He's at Hogwarts. Um, and so between that and the knowledge that Harry Potter, you know, is commonly regarded as the reason that Voldemort fell. Everyone's fairly certain that Voldemort, the biggest criminal in the wizarding world, is uh, coming for Harry Potter out of revenge for, you know, his master Voldemort, uh, and you know, possibly a way to bring back, you know, some of, some of uh, Voldemort's followers uh, we don't know which wizard he killed, we just hear that it was a wizard all that was left of him was like a pinky, or a, a finger or something, um,
1: so yeah, we don't know we do know he a bad dude
0: This was a lovely stream. Like I said, uh I'm not taking uh a break in the middle because we don't have a second chapter to go on to today. Um we're going to do that hopefully next week. Um and because I'm not going to see you before then, I hope you have an excellent Thanksgiving. And uh, to anybody So to also Rachel specifically uh, And anybody else at home watching I'm very much looking forward to joining you guys at home It's gonna be so darn good to be home at Christmas. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I get excited about it a lot Let's see Go ahead and put any more, uh, you know commentary in the chat section, but I do have to think of something to monologue about Otherwise, what is this? Otherwise, what have we really done here? We've just read a bunch of Harry
1: Potter. That'd be worth it. But, um, I don't know. I didn't play a lot of sports.
0: I played uh, when I was in middle school, so I guess, let's see, Harry, yeah, I, I played football when Harry was playing uh, Quidditch. I was uh, a quarterback not a great one and a linebacker and I was actually honestly I was kind of a decent linebacker I what I really wanted to be was a quarterback you know it was, it was a little flashier it didn't require so much sprinting uh, which I didn't like sprinting but I did have a fairly accurate throwing arm I didn't I didn't have enough distance to continue even into high school but uh, I, I could throw it accurately <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just I wasn't quite fast enough, got, uh, got that slow Compton stuff, but uh, that's alright. It wasn't something I necessarily wanted to pursue after I had gotten my middle school taste of it. So, didn't go on to do it in high school. But I do, I, I do kind of understand the, the moments that you have when you're in something with a lot of people, you're all working on something together, and you have that moment where you realize, I screwed this up for everybody. Those are awful. <laughs> okay, hold on. Rachel says, uh, if Sirius is trying to get Harry, wouldn't he have gotten him by now? Um, no, and that's a little bit of what Hermione was talking about after reading um, Hogwarts A history. Um, we don't know kind of the full extent of it yet, but we do know that Hogwarts, the location, is really well protected and well guarded. Um, you know, having, having the headmaster, headmaster. <laughs> I'm so used to saying it as snape that uh it, it caught me by surprise there having the headmaster be the most powerful wizard to live um uh, by most accounts uh as th- having that be the headmaster you do get some uh you know added protection and it's not just in the matter of you know having a powerful guy around it's a matter of Uh, enchantments and protections that are you know preventing hexes preventing people from apparating into and out of the school that's a very important one because as we've seen in this universe people can just sort of pop in and out of places uh, kind of at random you know Uh, they can't do that across the Hogwarts lines so you can't apparate into Hogwarts and you can't apparate out of Hogwarts that's important it's an important uh, distinction, and it's important for protection. Um, so we've seen that, and basically, yeah, um, between all the protections that Hogwarts normally has, plus the Dementors, who, you know, they you can't disguise yourself against a Dementor. Uh, as Hermione mentioned, you can't, uh, you know, they, they can fly. So it's not like he would have been able to fly over, you know, the Dementors and sort of get his way into the castle. They... The school is just too protected and that is why McGonagall was being a little cagey initially about you know, why Harry wasn't going to be allowed to go to Hogsmeade because Hogsmeade, while it is uh, I, believe, I believe it's the only exclusively wizarding village in the UK I think that was the or maybe it's in England um, except no, Hogwarts is supposed to be in Scotland I don't know I can't remember what the distinction is, but I believe it's the only exclusively wizarding village in the area. Um, so while it is full of wizards, it doesn't have the same protections as the school itself. Um, Rachel also says, <laughs> uh, "Oh yeah, hello, woman, Uh and we're super duper excited to see you." I am super excited to see you as well.
1: All right. I think we're going to end it there tonight. I feel good about it. it was a good stream.
0: It was a great way to come back, by the way. I was a little nervous when I was just getting set up. My uh, internet wasn't looking like it was going to treat me super well, but it ended up being a good stream, and uh, I'm very happy to be back doing this.
1: So, I will see you all, like I said, hopefully next week. And I hope you have a great week from here.
0: Um, hopefully, you guys get a, a bit of a break for Thanksgiving. That'd be nice. Um, I am planning to do a little bit of road tripping while I'm, you know, while, while Cassidy and I are free up, while the school schedule permits. Um,
1: so yeah, I should have some, some stories for you when I come back. All right. Love All you guys, you're wonderful people. Go to school, power through, and then enjoy an excellent Thanksgiving break. Have a good night. Bye-bye.